0: from herbmentor.com. This is Herbmentor Radio. You are listening to Herbmentor Radio on herbmentor.com. I'm John Gallagher. My guest today is Dr. James Duke. Dr. Duke is an ethnobotanist with a Ph.D. in botany, served with Missouri Botanical Garden in the earlier years and for over three decades in several posts with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, including work with the National Cancer Institute, Chief of the Medicinal Plant Resources Laboratory, and Chief of the USDA's Economic Botany Lab. One of the most frequented part of the USDA website is his ethnobotanical and phytochemical database he created before retiring. Dr. Duke has written more than 30 books, including the best-selling Green Pharmacy, Dr. Duke's Essential Herbs, Herbs of the Bible, Handbook of Edible Weeds, Duke's Handbook of Medicinal Plants of Latin America, and with Stephen Foster Peterson's Field Guide to Medicinal Plants and Herbs of Eastern and Central North America, People Magazine and New York Times have all featured him, and he spent several years exploring the ecology and culture of the Amazon rainforest. You can visit Jim online at thegreenpharmacy.com. That's pharmacy with an F, where you can learn about the Green Pharmacy Garden in Maryland, and his books are available at your favorite online and real-life bookstores. And he also has a great CD of plant-based bluegrass music that he wrote, which we'll talk about in a bit. Jim, welcome.
1: Thanks, John. Long time no talk. This is the first time we've talked.
0: It is, it is, and I hope we're going to have lots of talks, because, you know, like, uh, you're, you're, the Peterson's Field Guide, I think, was the very first, probably a lot of people have told you this, the very first medicinal plants book they've ever purchased. <laughs> so it's an absolute honor to have you here it's like well
1: let me add john that as you as you called i was working on a third edition of that very useful book
0: well i i'll get a copy of that too and i i so appreciate that work so this is kind of like you know this is this for me this is kind of like you know like interviewing like a rock star or something (laughs) it's like wow it's really jim duke (laughs) so i appreciate that um yeah, and um, you. Uh, I imagine there's been so many books you've written. I mean, I, I mean do you, can you even keep track of? of all the...
1: I I would be hard pressed to say exactly how many volumes are out there that bear my name. First,
0: that, that's amazing. Um, and, um, and you know what I'm going to do for folks too on herbenter. or in this interview is I'm going to have all the links to the, the the sites like the USDA databases and all uh, that people can link to and check out. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh yes, and and the the green pharmacy garden. Uh, where is that? Is that like right where you live, or near where you live?
1: That is in my backyard. As a matter of fact, my grandson and I were through there this morning. Spring is happening. We've got snowbells that have been in flower now for a month, and the Christmas hellebore. Uh, I'll sometimes call Christmas rose has been in flower since before Christmas. We've had a very gentle winter so far.
0: mm And that's um. And that's uh. Is a place people can visit.
1: Yes, we have a regular tour in the summer, and we're sort of two miles from the Thai Sophia Healing Institute, and their herbal classes and sometimes their nutrition classes visit the garden.
0: We just interviewed Bev and Claire from there last month and uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and and your wife, Peggy, she works on that with you?
1: Peggy uh, and I are both getting beyond work. I'm 82, Peggy's 80, and she had a bad heart attack last oh. year. and Not a bad so, heart attack. Yeah. She had a botched pacemaker insert. So uh, I go out there with a rollator. I don't walk well anymore. But it is a great pleasure, and I still do tours, uh two-hour tours, with the roller, and uh, we probably have twenty or thirty a, a year, in addition to the classes from Thai Sophia.
0: Now, you were born in Birmingham, in the South, uh, in Alabama, and, um, you know, how did you get started? Because I, I, there's so many different stories. Some people. Get interested later in life. I know you know, so I'm wondering—is something you did uh, interested in when you were a boy uh, in in the woods there in the in the South, or something you were interested in after you left the military, or like what? what oh, was I story?
1: Uh, I really was into the outdoors uh, from age five on in the suburbs of Birmingham. There, there was an old man across the street uh, who didn't have anybody to talk to, but his rabbits and a family that sort of ignored him. And he would often walk me to the nearby woods and taught me, among other things, a chestnut and a watercress. The chestnut was still abundant then, and uh, ever since then I've wanted to learn all the plants around me, especially those that are edible. And, and,
0: and when you didn't have any more plants here, you went down to the Amazon to learn about those.
1: <laughs> so. Right. I want to correct you a little bit. I've got over six years in Latin America, and I've got one year in one week tours of the Amazon. Oh. But more of my time was spent in Panama and Costa Rica until quite recently. Okay. But okay. I first got to the Amazon in 1991 eco tour and I got hooked and went back three or four times a year thereafter. I've even had all my whole family on the Amazon for one week.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Um and so uh, so that that mentor, the, I'm always fascinated by that. So you had that mentor taught you about like a lot of, um, they, they, were these things about like medicinal aspects of the plants too, or just what you can gather and eat, or was or was there really not a difference at that point? People were like, "Hey, you I just stay healthy. Don't,
1: I don't think he was a keen outdoorsman. He knew the common things and named mm-hmm. them for me, as I recall. And it's a distant and a pleasant recollection, but I really enjoyed just walking and until I had this neuropathic problem, always, walking has always been, in the woods, has always been my favorite pastime since age five. Wow.
0: And, um, you know, it was a pretty incredible thing to get to write a Peterson's Field Guide. Um, like, how did you come, how did that, how did that come about? Is that, or was that something that, uh, um, like, did, is it from because of the work you were doing at USDA at the time or whatever? Was that before that or... or...
1: Well, that's a complicated and oh. fascinating story. I'm going to give it to you in as short an answer as I can. Stephen Foster doesn't have a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he's not a great botanist. I have a Ph.D. That, that doesn't mean that I'm a great botanist. It just means I went to school more. Right. <laughs> and uh, there was another crew that was destined to... to to do the book. I won't name them because one of them had a mental breakdown at the time and the other Mm. one was the famous uh, Norman Farnsworth who died last year. They were scheduled to do it and uh, there was a case where Norman Farnsworth was a PhD and the other person was an unlettered but skilled herbalist. And when they dropped out of the picture, somehow my, my much younger partner, Stephen Foster, heard about the possibility that they might want somebody else. And he needed a Ph.D., and I was at Ph.D. So it was fortuitous, a strange turn of fate, and we both have enjoyed it. doesn't make a lot of money, but it's always easy when you get something for nothing in the way of royalties. It runs about $1,000 a year now, which comes in handy in my old age.
0: Right, right that's 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 great um and and also you know i'm gonna link to to mention stephen foster on the herb mentor page i'll link to a great article in herb companion that i found called ode to jim duke <laughs> and oh, uh yeah. you could read about There's it's a very fascinating going about a lot of your background and stuff in there too since we can only cover so much here um so we were uh talking you know jim and i were talking uh um, emailing actually before and we were Thinking about you know what what would be a good thing to talk about and uh, and um, I thought something fascinating and some herb mentor members had mentioned uh, had actually requested herbs of the Bible because because Jim wrote that book a couple of books on this subject and uh, we'll be airing this in March and of course that's right before Easter so we thought that would be appropriate Um, so Jim what inspired you to explore herbs of the Bible I mean it's kind of a you know being the USD and USDA person and person who does all the phytochemical research, um, in, 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 all of this and the scientific aspect of the herbs. Uh, was it your, uh, connection to, uh, growing up in the South and, in and, and, re- and, your, in your religion and everything to kind of tile that together?
1: Well, my family was not very religious,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but I can truthfully say that I, I went to church more than they did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was was sort of led into that by well-meaning people, and uh, at first I was a devout believer, but then I realized that there wasn't any Santa Claus and any Easter Rabbit, and then I got to questioning the little thing about God. So I've always been curious about the Bible and wished that I were a believer, but uh, I'm I'm a skeptic on all frontiers—medicine, pharmacy, hmm. you, you name it. But uh, I. Uh, a true confession is good for the heart. I thought it would sell well. That's why I went into that, <laughs> and, and it was uh, easily contained because uh, the I had a a computer program. I can send it to you, but I don't remember the link where you could go and look for the word turmeric in the Bible or it ain't there but if you look for saffron you'd think he was referring either to turmeric or to the saffron crocus crocus sativus and uh, that made it easy I, I was not good with the computer but that way I pulled out verses from the Bible about species that were medicinal and I referred to some earlier books who weren't going at all into the medicine. They were just going into plants of the Bible. And then I would dig up elsewhere for the medicinal uses, and that was just my checklist, the earlier books, and then I fleshed that out with uh, some uh, proven and some folklore medicinal attributes from the various parts of the literature.
0: Now, are these herbs from the both testaments?
1: Uh, there are some from both testaments, of mm-hmm. course, Jewish faith believes more in the Old Testament, and recently I've gotten one that even has medicinal plants of the Quran in it. Now, if I live long enough, I might explore that.
0: Oh, that would be really interesting too. Um, now, did you travel I and mean, you go to Amazon and stuff? And um, you know, when you're did you travel to uh, Israel, Egypt? To
1: I got to Israel on USDA assignment. We had sort of PL 480. Like projects over there where we were sponsoring their research on plants of interest to us and then ironically I got there, this has more biblical connotations I got there in the year that uh, the Sinai Peninsula was reverting from uh, Israel to Egypt and I got to tour uh, Mount St. Catherine which is sort of a holy site to some people and uh, with about 30 uh, Muslim counterparts. Well, I should say Arab. I don't know that they were all Muslim, but they were all Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And even there, I learned some of their uses of the herbs, which show up here and there. matter of fact, there's one biblical herb called rocket. You and I call it rocket. I forget the Arabic word for it, but they taught me there on Mount St. Catherine an old saying, about rocket. That's Erica Sativa for those who likes scientific name. Uh, and, and they said, well, if the Arab wife knew what this would do for her husband, she would plant it under the bed.
0: <laughs> um, so the, the 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 information that you have in the book that you research, um, how much of it? Like, on how the herbs are used or coming from uh, biblical texts, and how much is like, or like, you know, yes, they're mentioned, but you have done some added information about uses.
1: Mostly added. There's very, matter of fact, I think uh, the Christians of that time, uh, who were evolving at that time, uh, would have discouraged medicinal herbs because they thought faith alone could heal. Hmm. But uh, I went elsewhere for almost all of the medicinal applications. I can remember a few in the Bible, uh, like figs were used for things that might have been regarded as cancer, and they do have some anti-cancer phytochemicals. And was some sort of a aphrodisiac context of some of the herbs, uh, I don't have them at the tip of my tongue, but... There are a few cases where the, the herbs are mentioned in the Bible, and I've tried to get quotes. If you've got the edition, I think you have this one, at least one biblical quote. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of those are not medicinal. I can assure you, had they been medicinal quotes, they would have been there instead of the one that's there.
0: Right. So... That's true,
1: but you'll find very few uh, that really imply medicine.
0: The chances are there There had to have been folks using these plants as medicine in some capacity, I imagine, right?
1: That's very important, and uh, I like to, uh, when I'm sending out a list or a computer printout, I've programmed it now where it will say biblical, because if you believe in herbs and if you believe in the Bible, too, then that doubles your chances of... Uh, of success with the earth because he who believes has got an upper hand we skeptics don't heal well
0: <laughs> interesting that's uh a, that's uh that's oh
1: huh. i'm not a believer right. i believe and mention it where possible although i think it offends the muslims and that's why i want to do the quran because it's equally important for oh. example ginger is not in the bible but ginger is very important
0: in the Muslim uh, Quran. That's wow, uh, yeah. okay. That, that's so um. So then, have you seen the because what cause if I look through this, you know, you have a there's a, you know a lot of it's it's for the home herbalist can definitely get a lot of great information from this and and learn some different things and a lot of folklore information and all, and when you were starting in in the botanical and scientific community in the early 60s um and you have a career that spans 50 years um how how far i mean are are are, are we all going in the in the right direction that you had would have liked folks to, you know to be going in as far as using uh you know plants more and more for
2: Medicine? No,
1: let me interrupt you. We're, we're, we're heading in the wrong direction thanks to the FDA, the FTC, and big pharma.
0: Well, please go into this, please. I'd love to hear what you have to say on all this.
1: Well, they prescribe uh, things that were approved 10 years ago, but since then they've killed hundreds of people. And it takes them another 10 years to get them off the market. But uh, the pharmaceuticals taken as prescribed. In a hospital, kill more than 100,000 Americans a year. You can't come up with a head count of 10 for any herb unless you talk about smoking tobacco. Wow. So uh, the pharmacy or three orders of magnitude pharmaceuticals, prescription pharmaceuticals are three orders of magnitude more lethal than our trusted biblical herbs.
0: And agree. Yeah,
1: agreed there is some poison in the plant literature, but we our ancestors were smart enough to learn that I've agreed there are some healers in the wild plants, and our ancestors were learned to recognize that our ancestors learned how to recognize what was edible. I think they clearly recognized what was medicinal too, and those are the folk medicines that have survived the the stamp of time and they're not going to kill anybody still the FDA discourages us from even claiming that turmeric could uh, prevent cancer much less heal cancer but I was just communicating with Dr. Bharat Agarwal from down at the MD Anderson clinic in a, in Texas probably the world's authority on turmeric and he, even he and I agree that if we had cancer, already had it, and even if we were on chemotherapy, we would get turmeric. And that, by the way, is believed to be what is meant when saffron is said in the Bible. And it's said only once. There's only one occurrence of the word saffron in the Bible. But it has more things, more activities that would help with uh, with cancers of various sorts and in some clinical trials
2: uh,
1: one or two of the compounds from turmeric have done better than pharmaceuticals
0: do you do you uh, use turmeric on, on a daily basis is it a good thing for people to take uh, preventatively or just put in their food or make capsules or what do you recommend
1: I have Beside me, turmeric capsules. But we actually grow it in my green pharmacy garden. It's in the greenhouse now, but we have it in several plots. Uh, of My my garden, by the way, has uh, 80 plots. And in those, we've got a stone with the label. We got one called cancer. We got one called uh, um, heart. Oh. And we got one called diabetes. And I believe the turmeric is in all of the above, saffron. and it's really in about twenty plots. It's it's competitive with garlic. If I had to name the most important spices, mm. uh, three, four of them are biblical: uh, onion, garlic, cinnamon, and that saffron turmeric. And and just uh, just to make the the five ginger would come in close. But
0: that's not in the Bible, right? Right. But is it the kind of uh, thing where, as if um, do you yourself, or do you recommend that people use these plants, just you know, making sure they're getting it in their diet and like spicing their food, or do you need higher amounts? of like,
1: a... I think that if if I had active cancer, I would take more than I do. But I get a lot of it with turmeric and with curries.
0: Oh, right. Curry Curry
1: chicken is a very favorite of ours, and uh, it's, it's what makes mustard yellow. You know, at least if you've got a jar of French's mustard, it's due to uh, the, uh, the turmeric in it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I never even realized that, that they've been adding turmeric
1: all this time. Of course, we're just 30 miles from McCormick's. We have uh, some McCormick's racks, and we can shake it onto anything. Mm-hmm. and I like it with
0: stuffed eggs, for example. Oh, yeah, of course. That's great. The
1: mustard, of course, too.
0: But, but have you I- have you seen, though, I mean, just in the people use, I know with the FDA and what people are doing in the medical world, but just the, uh, as far as people taking more of an interest of health in their own hands, wanting to learn about plants, I mean, since you first released the Peterson's Guide, I mean, there must be a larger amount of interest in people that you've seen in more recent years than then then when you first put that book out no
1: yes i would say interest is greater but the discouragement thanks to big pharma is oppressive and right. uh, they keep blasting the herbs as being dangerous when nothing could be farther from the truth
0: right right and that's you know i always try to be this optimist in in that in that kind of stuff but like you know you're a person who was working in a government structure for all those years, so you, if anyone, have probably the most realistic uh, view of that. Yeah,
1: uh, USDA has its own faults. It recommends the wrong things for a heart-healthy diet. So uh, not just the FDA and the FTC, but uh, USDA condones inorganic agriculture, which I think is bad, and they push GMO, which I think has some serious drawbacks. So I'm not worshiping the USDA as compared to the
2: FDA.
0: Was that always your uh, viewpoint, and in, in all of this, like through all of your years working there, or is this like as you discovered more and more? I mean, was there a time when you just thought that the work that the government structures were doing were, were like you know cutting edge and great, and then yes, the later?
1: there was a time that uh, I became more jaundiced as time went on.
0: Right, and then you kind of started seeing the
1: uh,
0: the the. the Right, because the more research you're doing, of course, and you're seeing all of this, and in the um, databases, I mean, that you've done, you've done all this phytochemical research. Um, I mean, you were actually able to see, uh, and I, and I believe a lot of the charts and things that I've ever seen that show the minerals or what's in plants like nettles and lambsquarter, I think they they probably all came from your research. I imagine, right?
1: Actually, no. I've never. I've I've done very few analyses myself. I didn't do any, but I paid for some
2: Mm -hmm.
1: on Camu Camu from the Amazon, and then uh, a few others I've had checked out. But I compiled it from the published literature, including the USDA literature. But I put it into a different framework. Uh, USDA and nutritionists tend to prefer to talk about uh, 100 grams, which is half a cup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 100 grams of uh, grapes is not nearly as biologically active as 100 grams of raisins, even if it were the same raisins, because you just shed all that water. So the raisin is nutritionally dense, and the grape is nutritionally dilute. So I put everything in my database into a calculated zero moisture basis oh. and that that tells you how much you get uh, that makes things comparable but you cannot compare a raisin and a grape even though they're one and the same thing right. because of the water content therefore until you get this and most chemical literature gives it to you dry like that mm-hmm. but most nutritional literature gives you that 100 grams of, or half cup serving
0: and 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 so, are there some plants that you've found that you've taken more of as a result of finding out what's in it based on scientific research that you've done? like wow, this is a I didn't realize that this plant was so you know had so much of certain you know in your in just in your regular use of herbs
1: yeah i I would say that I up my intake of the wild herbs, especially stinging nettle, Mm -hmm. although it's not native, it is biblical, a different species was in the Bible. Mm -hmm. But the stinging nettle, once you cook it, doesn't sting anymore, and it's one of the best sources of boron, and very good in many, many different nutrients.
0: Right. And and you find yourself eating it more, do you make tea, or...
1: I am more inclined to add it to soups, or to cook it like spinach, but with a lot of onion and garlic, all mm-hmm. three being biblical, mm-hmm. and all three being nutritionally complementary. The onion's got more of this nutrient called quercetin than anything else. And it's mostly in the onion peel. Now, I don't like onion peel in my tea, but we frequently cook it in the water and then take it out and then add the, uh, the meat of the onion rather than the husk of the onion. But Husk of the onions, you might remember. Well, you're not old enough to remember, but we used to dye Easter eggs with uh, onion skin tea.
0: Oh, oh, my my wife does that with the kids in Easter. She, yeah, she, right. <laughs>
1: and that's due to quercetin in part, which is a yellow flavonoid. But it It's more brown than yellow. The egg. I won't say it's a very uh-huh. bright. yellow. I, I think turmeric would do a better job.
0: Good to know. So I was thinking perfect. maybe we could just cover some herbs specifically. Like we have talked a little bit about onion and, and, and a few, but um, there are some plants I picked out from the book and uh, just see what you thought about them and, and all. So um, some that really stuck out to me, like like almonds, for example. So what do you, would you like to talk about
1: almonds? Hi, Joy, this is a coincidence. I was just looking over that today and writing a book review about Barat Agarwal's new book, uh, Healing Spices, mm-hmm. and uh, he makes the amazing observation in his small chapter on t- t- on almond, that only two ounces uh, will give you your daily supply of monounsaturated fatty acids. Wow. But more incredibly to me, it will lower the blood pressure, it will lower the cholesterol, the bad LDL cholesterol, right. it will lower the triglycerides, it will lower the, the blood sugar, and it will lower, much to my surprise, and one that should make me eat more almonds, this C-reactive protein, which is another indicu- indicative species for a heart attack, mm-hmm. but it raises the good or HDL cholesterol. I see. That makes it what I call a herbistatin.
0: Okay.
1: And a herbistatin is nothing more than an herb that will do what the very harmful statins will do. They'll lower the bad cholesterol and they'll raise the good cholesterol.
0: And, and I imagine uh, the almonds, even if they've been, uh, you know, even the salted ones you get in the store, should they be made, purchased raw and, and?
1: Well, at eighty-two, I'm, I'm not avoiding the salt shaker, right. but I think younger people should stay away from that salt shaker and that sugar bowl. Right, right.
0: That's good but, advice. Stay away from the salt shaker and the sugar bowl. <laughs> I like that.
1: And, in my old age, I'm a snaggletooth, and raw almonds are kind of dangerous for me to eat, so I actually put them in my smoothies, and I have a crunchy smoothie, if, you, if that's not a contradiction in terms. But any hard nut that I don't really want to risk wedging in between my teeth, I put in a smoothie. I wonder if
0: you could put the turmeric in the smoothie.
1: <laughs> uh, I will do that with vegetables. Uh, I <laughs> frequently do carrot juices. And our squash juices. Nice. And actually, my trainer said I'd be better off doing more vegetables and fruit smoothies. But I tend to enjoy the fruit smoothies a little bit more. And like I say, I can't live forever, even though my mother lived to be 99 and her mother almost 101. I don't want their last decade. And they were better in most of those 10 years. I see. I see. But that uh, almond is easy, and that is a biblical one, by the way. Well, you're going through the Bible list right now. Right.
0: Yeah, I have some of you know that kind of really stood out to me as ones that people might have around or are familiar with or using in the kitchen. I'm thinking, uh, looking at uh, well, aloe, for example. That that of course that would be in the climate in that area too. And so is is that so? That's actually mentioned too, huh?
1: Yeah, and there's a paradox there in the Old Testament. Aloe refers to something called eaglewood or aquilaria, which we don't know much about. But in the new test, I think I've got these right. One one version, it's uh, it's the aloe that you and I know as a sort of cactus-like herb.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very good for many things. And I don't know, I've never known or experienced this aquilaria, the aloe of the Old Testament. And I don't think I should call it aloes, but it's A-L-O-E-S, is uh, frequently used. And I I use this topically. I don't add it to my smoothies, but the succulent juice inside of that is a very good topical medicine. mm -hmm. On one of my trips to Africa. A guide there showed me how you could use this juice from the aloe as a preventive for sunburn. And so I did one arm with it and, and left the other arm as a control, and you could see the difference after just an hour in the sun. Wow. I don't, I don't think it's gotten in the literature, but uh, it's, it's an observation that it will serve as a sunburn preventive.
0: Right, right. Sort of a little bit like I have seen St. John's wort do. Oh.
1: And, of course, it, in that same area of the plant, there's some potent laxatives, uh, anthroquinones, which are biologically active. And are perhaps over-promoted for cancer prevention, but uh, uh, aloe does have some uh, cancer reputation. But I'd vote a whole lot more on the cinnamon, the garlic, the onion, and especially the turmeric.
0: You know, I, I'm... I'm not I, I'm trying because I'm just flipping through the book. I I don't know if you listed here, but you know wh- when people call cottonwood uh, balm of Gilead, is th- that's a different balm of Gilead that's mentioned in the Bible, right?
1: I do have a populace in there. And oh, popular, okay. argu- arguable. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> I think there are at least four different interpretations of what is the balm of Gilead. Of the, And I think it's probably closer to our frankincense and myrrh, but I'm not not sure. And, you know, there are no voucher specimens, no herbarium specimens to tell us for sure what they meant. Mm -hmm. So I have to confess that I have two alternatives for uh, saffron in the Bible, one being the turmeric and the other being the saffron, the golden, another golden spice. And uh, nobody will... Nobody could be sure because either could be grown in the the warmer parts of Israel or the Holy Land.
0: Right, right. Okay. Um, Now, what about my, my personal favorite, dandelion?
1: Dandelion is not listed by that name, but we assume, and this again is presumption, we authors tend to take a Literary license or whatever you call it. And uh, it's assumed to be one of the bitter herbs of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Ironically, in the Old Testament, the maror, which is a Jewish term, is horseradish. But horseradish was not listed by that name, by the name horseradish in the Bible. But I think that is the most important bitter herb to the Jewish faith. But I listen at that same breath other rela- related species that occur there, chicory and uh, endive. Mm-hmm. And some people w- would add anything over there that was bitter and eaten that would include several members of the mustard family as well as those mentioned in the aster family that I just mentioned. Right. and uh, Chicory and and uh,
0: so, most likely, leaves eaten raw or soups
1: made. I um, have never enjoyed those much, but I have eaten all parts of the dandelion except the plume on the seed. There's not much substance to a seed, but like most sunflower seeds, it's, the, it's a diminutive sunflower seed in the order of things. Right. And uh, I enjoy most a vinegar pickled. Uh, that corn where the root and stem come together mm. at the ground level, blanch that and it's pretty good.
0: You know that. Th- thanks for saying that because you know, I've eaten so many parts of the dandelion, but I always kind of avoided that part. So I think I'm going to have to now try that. Well, so.
1: it's it's also good for hepatitis and jaundice meaning it's hepatoprotective. Right. It's one of the, has one of the most folkloric and scientific uh, records for hip sparing the liver.
0: Yeah, so I always try to have some dandelion root every day. That's one of my things. <laughs> Along
1: let, with me, my... let me let add the milk thistle is another great one for the liver. Mm-hmm. And those seeds are kind of hard to get but we grow it here in the garden uh, and it's becoming a weed and it's growing in the plots that we don't want it but it never <laughs> grows in, in the liver plot for us
0: showing us that the liver is important because it's needed everywhere so it wants to show <laughs>
1: itself
0: <laughs> in all the plots <laughs> um, now what about we talked a bit about garlic um, and of course gosh you could go on and on about that, uh, um, but, uh, that
1: that until recently was my numero uno but now I really think I'd go more with the turmeric it's, it's a coin flipper
0: wow is, uh, that's good to know because, you know, I've, I've asked a lot of herbalists, like, if you had one herb to choose, and, and many, many pick garlic, but now you're you're saying, well, you yeah, know, maybe turmeric. <laughs> that's
1: great. All right, well, I can go to my database and ask which spices are best for which diseases and, and print out what the evidence is so you can look it up yourself if you don't believe me.
0: Oh, we believe you. <laughs> um, what about uh, olives, which is must be listed of course as a important food right and for oil and so much but uh but what
1: yeah ironically off the tree they're not fit to eat Mm -hmm. but processed they are are very good and as with the almond that's a very good source of monounsaturated fatty acids
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and the oil at least tends to have this herbistatic approach raising the good cholesterol, and lowering the bad cholesterol. Uh, Most of the studies of late have been on what might be considered a waste product, the leaves. I don't think people ever ate the leaves. But uh, they've got some compounds over Europe, and it's uh, got a magnificent range of uh, biological activities, mm-hmm. but the oil, the olive oil in the Bible was more frequently used for anointing, which would mean, you know, putting it on the feet or something, than as, a, as we use it as sort of a spicy additive to our, our meals.
0: Now, I mean, okay, so you say that about anointing, and it makes sense that in the Bible itself, in the book, that you're going to have more ritualistic uses of the plants. Um, then I guess that it would be uh, listing medicinal edible uses. It's just too bad there wasn't a, a, an herb or plant geek that wrote one of the Gospels that could kind of you know tell it from that perspective? That would have been helpful.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll really never know. There were old doctors in, in the biblical times who were recording some of the Greek and the, the various... Uh, but these were botanists or doctors writing about the plants, and in mm-hmm. almost all cases, the Bible has been written by non-herbal types. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it's like more, it's more like just guessing, or just kind of going through and saying, like, okay, like finding evidence of the plants and then just, you know, especially because a lot of these are food, we're talking about olives and garlic and almonds and things. Um, Juniper, you list. So juniper, uh, how is that mentioned in in the
1: Bible? I would have to look at the book to see what it says. I Mm -hmm. would go through uh, the generic name for the juniper. And I don't think it would have anything to do with our modern concept
2: of juniper,
1: but it would be the the plant like I believe it's strain my senile memory here
0: well- uh uh it in in um yeah well, on page if you embedded
1: it open to that yeah page
0: one fifty four but it's interesting, two chronicles it says send me." also cedar cypress and algum timber from lebanon for i know that your servants are skilled in cutting lebanon timber my servants will work with your servants to prepare timber for me in abundance for the house i am about to build will be great and wonderful so maybe more they're talking more you know tree or construction you yeah this areas? was
1: a a major timber tree of mm-hmm. the region cedars mm-hmm. of lebanon and i believe the genus is cedrus but uh What's what's the scientific name given? For? Uh, the
0: Juniperus oxygen. Yeah, it is the
1: Juniperus, okay. Yeah. That's the same as our red cedar out east, and I think you've got one mm-hmm. uh, white cedar out west. Mm-hmm. But they're all good timbers, and the berries of our eastern Juniperi, shall I say, are one of them is used to scent a uh, flavor gin, so it's modernly a food but certainly not to be consumed in large quantities. Right, right.
0: Um, another one that kind of struck me is pomegranate.
1: Oh, that's that's the king of all. Uh, that has more types of estrogen than any other plant that I know of. So much so that it might be an overdose of estrogen to eat a fruit a day wow but that that fruit that also contains human identicals like uh, uh estriol estradiol and and in large quantities and you've probably seen the commercials i i think they're quite accurate but the fda is bound to come down ftc is bound to come down on them because they're saying it will prevent cancer and so will i say it'll prevent cancer and I think that fruit juice is as close to any super fruit juice as you can get, and much more some of those than some of those that are overhyped that are not biblical.
0: I I heard something about its connection to a uh, you know, with um,
1: the prostate uh, health. Yeah, there there have been T T V TV ads on that.
0: Oh, they're really. Okay, because uh, I was wondering if that's you know, what, what you know. Do you, do you find there's tr- a truth to that, if uh, that's oh, a yeah. good thing for I, men I, to drink?
1: that's a major weapon in the anti-cancer arena, and I'm, I'm sure Dr. Agarwal, if you could ever get him on, would agree with you. I do want I to think idea. most of the research is coming out of Israel, where it does quite well. Of course, it's a major crop down south of you in California.
0: Right, right, right. Well, I'm up in the uh, Seattle area, but we uh, I usually get the um, the juice and have that fairly regularly because I've heard a it's lot It's
1: kind of, of messy it. if you don't, if you have to juice it yourself. Oh, you no,
0: I just buy the concentrate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go.
0: Add it to my juice in the morning or something, you know.
1: And I would recommend that to anyone if they can afford it. It's not cheap. Uh, well, you they're grows there are, it, in my garden outdoors, right. but it never fruits. Occasionally, we'll get a small flower. But down at the National Arboretum, which is in Washington, only about 20 miles south of me, it's closer to the river and the ocean, and uh, it flowers quite well. I think they bring it out in the spring in a pot, mm-hmm. big pot, but it really produces there.
0: Well, I I, I heard. Uh, well, I I found it um in a concentrate. So uh, if anyone wanted to take it regular, you can save a lot of money buying a concentrate and adding a little. To your other things, versus the yeah, if you go to the store and just buy a thing of pomegranate juice, it's really expensive. But uh, you can save a little, just a little tip. Um, so, uh, how about um, walnuts? Another one that's
1: kind well of- what what to you resembles the brain more than the half of a walnut? Seriously? Oh, uh, and- cauliflower. <laughs> Well, that's a good one, too.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Since you asked, I just (laughs) can't.
1: But the whole walnut family, and that includes pecans and hickory nuts, is extremely rich, off the charts rich, in that brain food called serotonin. And uh, the oil is one of those, like fish oil, uh, alpha-linolenic acid in there. It's sort of a vegetarian fish oil.
2: Mm.
1: Not quite as good as the fish oil, but certainly tastier and probably more expensive. Uh, but I've had walnut oil, and it's delicious. And we do get the black walnut here. That, too, has much of the same serotonin in it. Mm-hmm. And serotonin has all sorts of activities. And But there are other activities in there that would help prevent Alzheimer's. So it's got uh, some s- doctrine of signature and some science for uh, for the brain.
0: That's that's Wow. And, um, you know, let's see here. Uh, we have um, willow, of course. That must have been. Uh, well, did you find willows are also used similarly, like, a lot in, in Western herbalism around pain because of the sal- salicylic. Yeah,
1: from the Amazon to the Arctic. Uh, it has the same activities as aspirin, and when Bayer patented aspirin o- over a century ago, uh, he claimed that it was uh, easier on the stomach than the the regular salicylic acid. What he did was made acetyl salicylic acid and patented it. But I'm not sure that's true. And frankly, the aspirin, like your concentrate. It's a lot easier than messing with willow bark, but if I had a toothache in the Arctic or the Amazon and I saw a willow by the river, I would get the inner bark and tamp it into that toothache. It's also good for the fever, the rheumatism, and was used when we didn't have better things for malaria. Not a food, but certainly a highly recommended medicine with, with most of the same attributes as aspirin and probably some of the same. Uh, I've, I've heard that aspirin kills ten thousand a year due to bleeding in the stomach. Oh, I don't. Think, I don't think we ever lost anybody to to willow bark. Wow.
0: You know, I I'm looking at a lot of these and saying like, wow. You know, with a lot of these that we get access to locally, especially in North America, from maybe almonds to, to walnuts to so many. I guess it depends on where you live, on where things can grow. But it seems like there's always a species of willow wherever you are. Are there any of these other herbs I'm trying to look in here that, like willow, that natively would have grown around the world at that time? Um, this really struck me, just looking at well, that. I'm going to the table of contents. Been,
1: uh, I don't get that in the tropics very often, right. Maybe in the drier tropics. It's grown as a crop in Egypt. But along the the humid Amazon, I I don't see it.
0: Right, right. I do see
1: the giant canes, but they don't go to the Arctic. Right, right. So I think you you hit on an interesting point. The genus, the willow genus is, uh, what's the word for it? Everywhere. Everywhere. If if any plant is there.
0: And I imagine looking at the list here. If you're going to look for similar things around, also, well, there's wormwood, so there's always going to maybe be some kind of art, like kind of Artemisia or something like that. Around. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you wrote that up. Uh, Artemisia is a genus with over 500 species, mm-hmm. and I think of mugwort. It, of all the herbs that I use, that's the one I use nightly because it corrects. My tendency to have bad dreams that I can hardly escape from around 5 o'clock in the morning. If I chew my mugwort after dinner, I don't have that problem. But if I forget, as I did last night, I'm liable to get into recurring dreams that I wake up and say, oh, I've got to forget about that and uh, go back to sleep, and I'm back with the same dream or the same sort of dream. And I would never believe in mugwort until this year, but that's Artemisia vulgaris. But I have grown in my garden what Gates is, Bill Gates is very interested in, the Artemisia annua, which is the only one, according to some authors, of 500 species of Artemisia that contains that very famous antimalarial Artemisinin and uh, that, I think, is going to get abused like quinine was, and we're going to use pure artemisinin, and then people will get resistant to it. But if we took the whole artemisia with all the alkaloids there, resistance would not develop, or certainly not, in in ten times as much time.
0: That's, yes, that's, uh, so it's really about... Um... You know, and that kind the whole
1: of goes, plant is better plant. than these isolated chemicals.
0: Right. Which is interesting, because a lot of the research you were doing was checking out a lot of isolated chemicals in a lot of your work, right? And then now you're more like, hey, it's really about the whole plant.
1: Yeah, I recommend where possible. And in that case, there is some evidence that the isolated compound does quite well But if you take the isolated compound, you you might need a lot of that to get to a given therapeutic level. But then if you add the whole concentrate, then through synergies, things improve. So in that case, medicinal artemisia for malaria seems to me to be best to take isolated artemisin to boost it up a bit and then the whole extract to make sure you've got all those co-occurring chemicals. The whole is better than the sum of this part.
0: Right, right. And um, speaking about the part, we're talking about the database a bit. I'll have the links from that. People can go and check out. But. How do you recommend that folks use that? Um, Is it more just something more for the scientifically minded, or can somebody just, you know, who's kind of interested in plants, kind of a lay person, who wants to check out some things, will they find some information useful to them as well?
1: Well, I think uh, I get lots of good correspondence on this, and more people use it than any other database at the USDA, I'm told, which is surprising because... Uh, There's a big nutritional database that has things in the 100-gram level there that I have in the zero moisture basis. But there's, for example, uh, when somebody finds that a given phytochemical uh, has proven activities, Mm -hmm. and you want to know which plants have the most of it, there's there's a, a... query on the USDA database and you list it and they'll rank them from high to low if there are any with quantified data and uh, people are always calling me with that question I just print it out and send it to them and tell them you do it next time Yeah,
0: (laughs) I put it on the internet for you, you do
1: (laughs) yeah I don't want to do it for you Uh, uh, you get terminally dyslectic as am I I you probably noticed it in my emails
0: uh, no, 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 <laughs> not at all. Uh, so uh, I was uh, so impressed, Jim. Yesterday, I, I got in the mail, and thank you very much for sending me a copy. And I think it's probably one of the best CD titles I've ever seen because you can read it two ways. We can read this herb album, or we can read it herbal bum. And I thinking you kind of meant herbal bum.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I meant to confuse you. <laughs> I can get. I, I can like see. double, double, and.
0: 100. Well It struck me right away. I thought that was almost the title. I, I, I was
1: a hippie when I was young, so herbal bum is is apropos. And now <laughs> that I don't have my false teeth in, I'm a I'm an herbal bum. Herbal and I bum. am barefooted today.
0: And it's a uh, an excellent CD of uh, mostly bluegrass style uh, music. And I love bluegrass. Anybody who likes bluegrass and folk and that sort of thing, lots of fiddles and whatnot, will love this. And and um, well, first of all, before we talk about it, uh, let's take a listen to the first track here. This is actually the first time I ever actually did this, one. congratulations on Urban Mentor Radio. You're the first person I actually interviewed who had music. So uh, let's take a listen to the song "Camomile."
3: She brought the sun to the sky I was so gloomy then But she cheered me up again When I saw the love light in her eyes Oh, that hair of chamomile Enough to make a hermit smile Who could turn from those burning eyes blue-gray Golden hair up in a bun Smiling, shouting in the sun Made in heaven She's really made my day my music can't compare with her beauty so rare I won't her to be mine alone. if God wills it so I soon will let her know that I simply must have her for my own
0: so tell us a little bit about that in the writing of that song
1: okay first of all, I'll tell you a little bit about the album if we have time yeah,
0: uh, we have lots of time go ahead i
1: uh <laughs> I used to, when we were driving on long road trips, have three by five cards in my pocket. And I would, uh, as a wild ditty would come along, I'd write it down and then refine it when I got home. And I ended up with a collection of over 500 herbal poems, mm. mostly five-liners. And some good and some bad. The one I particularly like was a young man took took pot until his hormones get shot. His breasts stay enlarged while his testes in discharged. Is he a young man or not?
0: <laughs> and so which was that one?
1: <laughs> that one's not on the album. Oh, <laughs> looking for it.
0: I'm like what what
1: what's That's a blue book by the same title, Herbal Bum that has all five hundred poems in it. And uh, then some and with some music in it too. But that's out of print and uh, probably won't be available, although I could send words to people who are desperate. Where can. Conf- cam- cam- chamomile was written when I was about. It's, it's huh. reflecting back on when I was about 12 years, 15 years old. Hmm. I was working at the Crabtree uh, Creek Park down near Raleigh, North Carolina, where I lived at the time. And uh, one of the boss's daughters was always sitting on a porch, and she is, in effect, chamomile. But, of course, nothing ever came of that. At 15, she was probably much younger than I, and her father was not a very uh, accommodating sort, so I would never have messed with her. But I did, you know, have a puppy love-type crush on her. It never came to fruition, but then... uh, it just became, I threw those words together sometime before 1985 when the Blue, Blue Herb album came out. And uh, there's some real truth in that. And chamomile is a great medicine, by the way, not mentioned in the Bible, but it's a, one of the best things for several things, but we won't go into that. Let's stick with the music. I'm enjoying it tapping my feet
0: again (laughs) yeah you even said you got some folks coming over tonight playing some music and i think i always thought that was maybe the secret to longevity right just uh, herbs and good music
1: well they help relax and anything that'll calm your stress is good for you i'm using the computer as a tranquilizer these days i don't think about some of my other problems Hmm. Hmm. and i get, get a lot done that way
0: well, uh, I, let's see. I'm just looking on some, uh, maybe another one. Oh, the Ginseng song is real good, too. I really enjoyed that. One. Oh,
1: I've got a good story to tell you about that. Go right ahead. written in China. And uh, I was first in China in 1978. So that's when that, that song was written. We had a beautiful Chinese translatress accompanying our tour. We were going up to... Uh, Harbin, north of Harbin, China, where they grew Siberian ginseng. They don't call it that, of course, and uh, and they also were growing the Chinese ginseng, which looks almost exactly like our American ginseng. But this beautiful guy, we were on a place called the Marble Marble Boat when we got back towards Beijing. That was a tour touring place, and she asked me to write her song. Uh, uh, or to sing her a folk song and I wrote it right there on the spot it's improved over the years but uh, I even had the word uh, let's see what's her name for it Chinese it's ninjing, and in Korea it's song.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but uh, renshin, renshin that's the Chinese word I even put in a verse about that and that has some double meanings in it, too. It's, it's a pretty happy song. Well,
0: hey, be, since we're here, might as well take a listen. <laughs> okay. Searching for the holy
2: grail on the
3: Appalachian Trail When I found that herb they call ginseng
1: Growing deep
3: down in the woods, that's where I got the goods The herb that turns the autumn into spring Makes an older man cocksure and a younger man secure. Makes an older woman younger and a younger
0: woman hunger. Gin, sing, sing, gin. Sing a little song and swing. Sing. Um There's also uh, uh, wintergreen, maple syrup, witch hazel, sour grapes. Lots of great ones. And I love the singers you have on there. Fantastic.
1: Right, the first uh, ten songs on the CD were done by studio musicians uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee, and I paid them. I, th- I, th- I think it was a good year for me financially, and it cost me ten thousand dollars to put hmm. out. And I ended up with a thousand C, uh, not CDs. Then they were LPs, oh. and I could roof roof my house with those. <laughs>
0: You know, Jim, I came out with a CD in 1999 of songs that I wrote, and uh, and uh, I I I always told my friends they make great ice scrapers. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few extra as well here. <laughs>
1: All right, well, Wintergreen is about uh, the the daughter. Excuse me, the mother of one of the Nashville musicians. Uh, I had a brief affair with her, and she was. An Icebreaker That's what the song Wintergreen is about I'd like to hear that Would you play that one? Yeah,
0: let's play it
3: Wintergreen's a breath of spring On the wintry forest floor It makes the body sing When the songs don't come no more winter green where have you been you're the
2: prettiest thing i've seen breath of spring throughout the year summer smile christmas cheer
1: (laughs) that's great But nobody knows it's about her except me and you and whoever's listening. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. This is going to get out, you know. This is the Internet. (laughs) If I'm 82, she's probably 81 now.
0: (laughs) When did you record this then, if you did it in the LP era?
1: Uh, The first 10 were done on that LP. Hmm. And then later the USDA asked me to write that song about Chesapeake Bay. Because they're having a Chesapeake Bay special. And he knew it, it, this was a USDA who ran a TV weekly. They had Don Elder was his name. And he called Duke, I want a, I want a song, a, a bluegrass song about Chesapeake Bay. And I wrote it before nightfall
2: on USDA
1: time. And I had my gang come over like they'd come out of the night. And uh, I taped the words onto my bass fiddle. And uh, gave words to the tenor, and, and I, I would do the harmony. And then then we recorded it and got paid five hundred dollars. So fine, I'm getting some return from my musical investment.
0: Well, you know, now you're a professional. It, it made you a, a, an actual professional musician.
1: <laughs> but he never he never played it because he said it was too bluegrassy.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's it's close enough. Maryland's close enough to. <laughs>
1: yeah we got the maryland state flower plugged in there
0: i i love it because this is one of my favorite kinds of music so i love irish folk and bluegrass and and, and all so i just took to it right away i was like oh this is awesome yeah, um was
1: generated in in less than 12 hours
0: can 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 uh what site can people pick the cd up i mean do you have it for sale online or
1: I do not. I'm negotiating with some people and I'm going to talk to Amazon. I know they they'll do book deals. I don't know that they do CD deals, but
0: Well, you can do um well, there's a couple options you can do. You could probably uh they um they, they they'll do fulfillment um and, and and services. They'll do Amazon's good for that. And I imagine even if there's a way to get it on iTunes or MP3 download, then you don't have to nobody has to ship anything. So. That
1: would be the way to go. And uh, I I don't have a whole lot of copies left of the CD, which is very convenient. But if they can come by, I can give them a box full of uh, <laughs> LPs. <Yeah. laughs> well, that's And they can luck. root their house.
0: <laughs> come, <laughs> come. Come visit the Green Pharmacy Garden and take a tour. And if you mention Herb Mentor, Jim will come out and he'll go up on his roof and he'll take off, snap off a copy of the album and <laughs> give it to you.
1: In season, we actually have uh, bluegrass sessions in the garden. And once in a while, I'll get a classical guitarist uh, who's got a great collection of guitars. And the music wafting through the four lanes of the garden is is very pleasing. Mm. And we usually do that for the volunteers, more than the tourists
0: and that's at the this once again the green pharmacy garden that's with an f pharmacy thegreenpharmacygarden.com and you can also link to jim's research databases from that site um there are other urls i always see here and there for you but this was the only active one that i noticed uh, so i just wanted to
1: yeah one recently went defunct we were hoping to sell some spices with it but we failed so it's come offline we were negotiating to get somebody to house that, uh, but the the owner lost interest when she couldn't sell it. Well, you know... It was a good site. Uh, yeah. That was Green Pharmacy with a PH.
0: Right. That's what I was looking at. So hopefully you can get that one back up. Um, well, you know, Jim, it's uh, been an absolute honor to have you on the phone here today. Uh, this is just so much fun. And uh, hopefully, we can have you have you back sometime, and uh, and um, you know, have any accomplished herbalist and bluegrass musician <laughs> here with us today. <laughs> uh, and um, so, once again, if you're in the Mid Atlantic states, please uh, see about going go on a tour next summer. And you can get Dr. Duke's books; they're available at your favorite bookseller online and beyond. There's lots of them. Jim, thanks again for joining us today.
1: My pleasure and, uh, my meeting you
0: is... Is, uh, yeah this is just amazing. I just and I can't, can't wait for the next uh, edition of the Peterson's Field Guide and if you don't own the Peterson's Field Guide to Eastern Central medicinal Plants wait for the third edition to come out you're gonna you're gonna love it it's a it's i my my copy is probably my most worn book I have my copy right here I'm holding it we can uh I'll have you autograph it here for me through the airwaves
1: <laughs> okay I think by the way it'll be on e e-book, ebooks too electronic. Like oh. And uh, hopefully we might make a, another nickel that way. It's never been a big money producer, but it's always a book I'm proud of.
0: Well, I hope they can turn it into an app too, like on the iPhone or iPad. Would be really awesome.
2: Uh,
1: I don't. I, well, we, we we get better royalties on on these deals, mm-hmm. but this is my first experience with it with all
0: that. So uh instead of just saying goodbye, we're just going to leave everyone with a song. Let's listen to uh well let's let's put on uh, Appalachian Rain. Any story behind that before we play it?
1: Well, I was playing with a band called Appalachian Rain, but it was R E I G N. <laughs> and uh, I thought maybe they would play my song. And that was a we used to play at Shakey's Pizza Parlor in DC. And uh, the band leader didn't like it, so it never flew. So that's the only place you'll ever hear it. Well, all right. Well, let's hear it right now. Coming up. Coming up.
0: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jim. We'll see you later. And here's Appalachian Rain from the Herbal album, or Herb album, or Herbal Bum. You you you, you choose. <laughs> here's the song. One word. <laughs> One word.
3: Never ceased to be amazed How the shack where I was raised Kept me tied to my mama's apron string Then the whole thing fell apart and my daddy broke her heart And he left the mountain on a flame Appalachian rain Don't you rain on me again I done got the blues on the run Appalachian snow don't you snow me no more? I'm gonna take my love in the sun. We were much too young to wed, but that's what her daddy said. Much too green to be a mom and dad. So the knot was tied too soon. Appalachian honeymoon swept away the little love we had. Appalachian rain, don't you rain on me again? The blues on the run. Appalachian snow. Don't you snow on me no more. I'm gonna take my love in the sun. Can't be a better world You smile till there's raindrops in your eyes But when you leave the mountain wide You done turned your back on life With each raindrop a piece of you dies All alone now on the plain Started crying mountain rain Appalachia was calling me again The wolfie howled knowing How you can't go home again chimney is all that now remains Appalachian rain, don't you rain on me again I done got the blues on the run Appalachian snow, don't you snow on me no more I'm gonna take my love in the sun Yeah, I'm gonna take my
2: love in the sun
0: Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com is a production of LearningHerbs.com. Visit LearningHerbs.com for free herbal lessons including Herb Mentor News, Home Remedy Secrets, and Supermarket Herbalism. You'll also find the Herbal Medicine Making Kit and our board game Wildcraft. Herb Mentor Radio. Copyright LearningHerbs.com. All rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening.